Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to bring you our second Olympic trials. I shouldn't say Olympic trials. Our second Road to the Trials recap episode. This just shows you how how much I messed that up. I like. I'm gonna keep this part in the intro. Um, so often I call it Road to the Olympic Trials. That's what it was called in the first season. And I was told for the second season, we can take Olympics out. I don't have the trademark for that, obviously. Uh, but sometimes I just default into that. So anyway, the second recap for Road to the Trials, we're putting this both out on the Rambling Runner feed and to the Road to the Trials feed, which is, uh, you know, I'm just, I love that. I love that series so much. And I'm so excited to get it back going in three years from now. It'll be super exciting. Again, today we are with Olivia Baker. Uh, not only uh, has it been so much fun talking to her over the last four to five months, but she's over, not, it's not overcoming, but she's going through some serious potential, you know, decisions and changes in her life. And it's just, you know, she is just such an incredible person. So to hear her talk it out was um, really a fun experience for me. And she just went out and just kicked some serious butt. If you listen to Frank Laura earlier this week, he had a similar experience a couple weeks after uh, the marathon trials. I'm not the marathon trials. <laughs> oh, I am all over the place. After the Olympic trials, he um, went out and did had an exceptional effort. Same thing with Olivia, which is always fun to, uh, to talk to these athletes after they've really uh, gone to the well and had some good experiences. So, Let's dive into it with Livy Baker. But actually, before we do, I do want to give a shout out to Four Sigmatic. I love Four Sigmatic. I've been having it for years. It is a mushroom coffee that tastes absolutely fantastic. So what what I love are the single serving packs. I have these every afternoon, just hot water in a cup, single serving pack. You got the 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 ground coffee mixed in there with the lion's mane. It's absolutely Fantastic. And unlike just regular coffee, it provides you so much more to just benefit your whole body. You get that coffee taste, that coffee boost, but it's just better for you. And it's just absolutely fantastic. For me, it's my mid-afternoon treat, and I look forward to it every day. You should you should give it a try. I mean, basically, I can't think of a reason not to. Most of you drink coffee anyway. Why not just have a little extra goodness in there that's going to help your body while not taking away the caffeine that we like to have? So use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 10% on your order today. I actually just purchased it right before I recorded this intro. So I got, I bought three more boxes to get me, you know, get me started again for late summer, early fall. And uh, I just love this stuff. That's for sure. So give them a try for Sigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R Sigmatic.com. Code Rambling Runner to save 10% today. So let's get into it with Olivia Baker. Olivia Baker is back. I'm so excited to chat. Olivia, thank you so much for coming back on the show for a recap of the Olympic Road to the Trials experience. I almost said Road to the Olympic Trials. We don't have that trademark, believe it or not, here at the Road to the Trials podcast. But I am so excited to chat with you. It's been a little while. How are you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for bringing me back. Uh, it's good to be here. It's been a It's been a fun journey. I'm excited to talk more about it. 
I'm so excited to chat too. We had a lot of people reach out who were like, hey, when are the recap episodes coming out? I'm like, all right, I wasn't sure. Like, should we do these before the Olympics? Should we do it after the Olympics and kind of incorporate into the, the conversation? But ultimately, we're doing it now, kind of in between the start of the Olympics, but before the track events. I can't really explain that decision. But nevertheless, I'm excited to chat with you. Uh, we always have, at least I have a blast talking with you. That is for sure. So before we get into some recap questions and, and talk about the trials and just the the last four to six months generally and what we can take from that, before we get into that, you just kicked some serious butt. And I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it because that's always so much fun to talk about. The Sound Running Sunset Tour track meet. Um, I guess first things first, with, even if you just took the Olympics completely off the table, which obviously is a ridiculous thing to say. But with that said, even with all the athletes that are going, we're having some extremely high-level track meets going on in the U.S. right now. And it is really exciting. And you were at one of them. Yeah, I, I love it. It's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. I really hope with all of these track meets that have been in the U.S. this year, and especially in the summer, that we can build some momentum off of this, that we can have some more high-level track meets in the U.S., uh, even when the world isn't in a pandemic going forward. And that so that U.S. athletes don't always have to go to Europe to compete. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. It was a well-organized meet. I enjoyed racing. Of course, I, I ran a season's best two flat point 43 for third in the 800. And yeah, it was just a fun race. It's probably, I mean, it's the season's best. So it's the best race I've had this season, but it was also the most fun race I've been in this season. Like it, it went down to the line, you know, down to a lean. And I think that's the type of race I want to be in. It's just gritting it all the way to the line. It really brings out the best in everyone. So I'm, I'm really happy that that could be the way that I ended my season this year. I mean, this looks like, I mean, besides just like a couple people, right? The, the Aething Moose, the Raven Rogers of the world. Like if you just took them two and put it into this race, you could be like, this looks like the Olympic trials final to me, right? You have, you know, We'll just go through the, the the list of people kind of in or in finishing order. Like you said, it was super duper close. Nia Atkins, uh, Danny Aragon, you, Ali Wilson, Mickey Hills. Like that is just like a loaded field. But keep going. Uh, Julianne Layback, uh, Kendra Chambers, uh, Marta Freitas, and Jasmine Frey all under everyone in the race under two oh three, which is like we didn't even see that in the Olympic trials heats. Like, we didn't see that. Like, this was an insane race. Yeah, I, I love it. And you can really see that the, the level of um, mid-distance running in the U.S. is rising. It's Especially in the women's 800, it's become an incredibly deep field. And so it's nice to see these meets where, where you can really mix it up, you know, outside of the Olympics, outside of world, uh, you know, the continental tour meets, the Diamond League meets. I'm, I'm really glad to see it. So what was it like for you? And I don't know if you talked to some of your competitors as well in terms of managing the training post trials, right? I can see that's kind of like this intermittent, this kind of like this intermediate zone of like, okay, the highlight of the season or potential height of the season has now come and gone. We're all in peak fitness, but like, but what's that like the, the, the few weeks after knowing that you do have track meets coming up, but there's also like just the mental let not let down, but like the mental like you know kind of like I don't even know the right word, but like the um it's the settling 
of like the mental and emotional energy that comes with the Olympic trials for everybody, no matter where they finish uh, and just kind of managing that process. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, and, and like you said, on both sides of the aisle, whether you make the Olympics and you kind of have that, you kind of have to keep that emotion in check. Or if you don't make it and you're dealing with the disappointment and trying to kind of come back and recover your season, you're right. The Olympic trials feels like a peak in, in a sense. And whichever, whichever way you go down the hill, whether it's, you know, down in disappointment or kind of down in excitement, uh, it is something that's not easy to manage. For me and my coach, it kind of, it meant just kind of extending that taper, trying to stay in the cycle, the kind of two week cycle that we were in leading up to the trials and extend that as much as we could, knowing that I just needed to make it to the end of July. I mean, for me, with the season ending on the 25th, uh, I only needed to extend that peak for about a month. Um, I I imagine that people who are doing, who are going later into the season, people who are going to run the second half of the season in August or people who are going to the Olympics probably had to cycle down and then cycle back up to deal with that emotion. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest after the Olympics, I was, or the Olympic trials, I was really disappointed. Uh, my agent Ray Flynn was encouraging me. He was just like, Hey, you know, don't give up, go get some redemption, get in a couple more meets this year. And he had entered me in the trials of miles meet on the ninth. And at the time of the Olympic trials, I didn't know if I was even going to make it back to that meet. I was just so down about it and, and kind of lacking confidence in my running at the time. But, you know, by the time the meet came around, I was, I was feeling a little bit better. I had gotten some good training runs under my belt and I'm, I'm glad that I could get a couple more meets in this season and really show that the fitness was there. I mean, obviously it was, you, you just ran really well, not only from a time perspective, but you were right there with some of the best runners in the country again. And, you know, you were, you were right there at, at the line with all of them. Um, it just shows that you're, you're right in that field consistently. When you have a race like the one you had this weekend where you were, you, you proved it again, you've, you've done this many times in your life. This is not a new experience. You are racing these same women, you've raced these women for years, but when you had that race this weekend, obviously you were happy and excited. You just ran the season's best. Who wouldn't be pumped? Was it, did there, did you have a little bit of like, why didn't I do this like 30 days ago type feeling or, or did, or are you able to kind of remove it from that and not necessarily connect, you know, all of these meets in some sort of narrate, you know, in some, some sort of narrative and just keep them as their own separate entities? Uh, it's definitely bittersweet. I will say that for sure. Cause yeah, I, I do wonder why couldn't I just do it 30 days ago? You're right. I, I feel like my, I'm not in any, better fitness than I was 30 days ago. I just executed my race better. And so, yeah, there, there definitely is that, but I, there also is the kind of move on as an athlete, you, you learn to have a short memory and not let the previous race or the race right before you affect the way that you run on a given day. And so it's a little bit of both feeling bittersweet, but also exercising that, that mental skill that athletes have gotten so good at. Um, and having a short memory and just saying, you know what, it happened, but I'm going to get back out here. I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to make the most of what's left of this season. 
Now, looking back on the trials um, with, you know, 2020 hindsight and all of that, obviously, just your event, the 800 meters, like we talked about this pre-trials. We're like, this is insane. Like this, who could, no one can predict who's going to be in the final. There are, like literally you come up with, there's probably a couple of people you say, oh, these people will probably be in the final. Like, you know, if, if maybe a small handful of people, uh, certainly the people who end up qualifying for the Olympics, if you had to put money down, you'd be like, there's probably a good chance they're going to be in the final. But who, if you feel like the back half of the final, like it could have been so many people. And that was really the fun of it from a spectator perspective of like, this is going to be wild. Um, looking back now, when you think back to that experience, what do you take from that in terms of like what could have you maybe done differently from a preparation standpoint or maybe alterations here or there, either whether it's, you know, prep or race week? Like, have you been able to to, to figure out like maybe where things could have played out a little differently uh, at all? Yes. Uh, as I reflect on the trials and think about my race and all of that, I think that the biggest thing for me was kind of that I didn't have my race model down. And as a result, I wasn't running with as much confidence as I usually do. I remember early on in the season, I kind of had a race model that was more even paced. I went out, I ran it in a few meets, I got beat. And we we changed up the race model to one that got out faster. Um, but then I would get out faster and I still, I was dying too much at the end. And it just, we... Coach and I couldn't seem to get it narrow in on a race model that really was working for me. And so going into the trials, I was kind of like, I, I don't know. I haven't been racing super well. I don't have a concrete race model down that I, I know is going to work. And so I, I felt a little bit caught out there, a little bit uh, unprepared from that standpoint. And it showed in my race. You know, I gave it my all, but I did not execute well and that preliminary race. And um, yeah, it, it wasn't until this summer that, and at a time when I had absolutely nothing to lose that coach and I are just like, you know what, we're going to go back to the basics, go back to that kind of even paced race model that we were working at the beginning. And like he said, I had nothing to lose trying it out and seeing if it would, it would work. And I think once the pressure was off, I was able to to string together a couple of good races. But yeah, I would say that that the biggest thing uh, as I reflect was that race model and not quite having it down going into the trials. And when you say even pace race pace model, is this more like hey, 30 seconds at 260 and then, you know, they kind of go go going around that way and then maybe, you know, and see what you have for the kick or or what would an even pace model for you look like in terms of at what point do you stop modeling it out and it just becomes competing? An even pace for me would look like I, I was speaking more in terms of 400s, like 60, 60 or trying to go 59, 59, mid 60, less than by even I mean less than a second positive split between laps. But yeah, and and. The key to that for me has been really controlling the one factor that I can 100% control, which is the first hundred of the race before everyone breaks in, making sure that that first hundred, uh, wasn't too hard. And so I wasn't, you know, burning out my tank in the first hundred of the race. And that would help me run more evenly. 
um, something that I used to do and that was kind of a staple in my 800 races was the the first six seconds of the race. I always blasted out the first six seconds. I used to be the type of runner who was the first one at the break or I was in the top three. Uh, now I've learned to prioritize, maybe only blast out for four seconds and then relax into the pace. And just just that two second difference on the front end in the in the first seconds of the race, I found is is what has made this model work for me. Gosh, that's interesting. Um, it's funny. It's, it's being so that's so so precise, right? And I think it's the difference between something that that you're doing that you know us mere mortal amateur runners like we you know we would never have to be that precise with some of the things that we do. It it really is interesting to hear you go through that from a um, looking at the last month, which is like this is like so wild. Like, were you able to gain anything um, going into like the next season um, from just the past month of like hey? I just ran my season's best off of like a really kind of disjointed training model. What is there anything that you can take from that moving forward? Or is that just kind of like how it happens sometimes? Absolutely. I think that it gives me a lot of hope for the future Uh, to be able to do that. It it reinforces that all of that work that I put in during the season uh, really did get me fit. You know, when you, when you string together a lot of bad races going into trials uh, sometimes a little bit of doubt creeps in. You start thinking, you know, am I, is it the model or am I really not fit? Like all of that work that I put in in the fall, did we, did we not go hard enough? Did we not, you know, the, the doubt starts to creep in. But I think that this last month has really reinforced that no, I, I am fit. All of that work that I put in in the fall did not go to waste. And now I feel like going into next season, it's something I'm going to be able to build off of. That's great. So when does next season start for you? I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to, well, right now you've got me in the process of trying to decide kind of what I'm going to be doing. Um, that was I my next question, Olivia. You're leading <laughs> me right to it. This was our this was our first conversation like a year ago. And I was like, I was definitely going to circle back to that. Yeah. So we've talked about, I think I mentioned on the last pod, I can't remember. It was like two weeks before trials, maybe that we talked. Yeah. I think I might've mentioned on the last pod that I, I got into med school. I got into Howard medical school and you didn't tell me that we did. We had talked, we had talked very early. Our first podcast, we had talked about how like you had these two goals, like the professional running goal and the professional medicine goal, and that you couldn't necessarily start them concurrently, but that these were both things that were a major part of your life moving forward and just kind of figuring out the process. But I don't think we've really revisited it, certainly not from a school acceptance standpoint. Oh, wow. Yikes. Okay. Well, it's been it's been a long journey. The application process was a super long journey. And um I guess long story short, yes, I got accepted into Howard Medical School, Howard College of Medicine this past application cycle. Um, I asked them for a deferral before the trials because, you know, in the event that I made the Olympics, I wouldn't have been able to start school on time. And they granted my deferral. So I don't have to enroll until next, next, uh, next summer after the world championships. Oh, nice. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out really well. And so right now I'm kind of in a place, you know, the the ideal plan would have been 
make the Olympics, compete at the Olympics, go to the world championships. And then that would be it. I could go into med school. But since I didn't make the Olympics, I don't quite know what I want to do. Like, do I want to still just run for one more year and then go to med school? Or should I run for three more years and try for the Olympics again? And then I would have to reapply to med school. Or, yeah, I, I'm, that's kind of the place I am right now is trying to determine that. Right. It's, it's interesting because there's like this long history of track athletes, not like an abundance of people, but track athletes who've, who've gone through the medical process and whether it's school or doing research, right? I mean, Roger Bannister is like the obvious one that comes to mind, right? He's got sets the four minute mile while he's like doing lab work. <laughs> like it's like this crazy confluence of events, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I don't have the full list in front of me. So pardon me. I think the most, another recent one that we had was Martin Heher. Uh, who's a marathoner, finished top 10 in the Olympic trials last year, and he had a great, great career at Syracuse. He was going through medical school while he was training. Um, and obviously, as a, as a marathoner, was putting in like pretty, pretty long, hectic weeks uh, in months, that's for sure. So is it something that would you, when you look at it, and obviously this comes down to preference and how you focus and not everybody's decisions are the same, Lord knows. Um, do you view it as like, all right, if I'm in medical school, I'm all in on that and running kind of falls by the wayside or is there a potential for doing them at the same time? I have looked into that option and I don't think, I don't think that for me, I, I don't, I think that it can be done. I don't think that for me, that would be the way that I would want to go. I, I feel like I want to be all in on medicine or all in on track. I think that doing both at the same time would be, I, at some point, I would probably have to make a trade-off in favor of one or the other. And uh, it just kind of goes back to, for me, wanting to know, like part of the, a big part of the reason that I'm running track is because I, I want to know what that full potential is, you know, where, what is the limit? What is the extent of this God-given gift that I've been given to run with? Uh, and I don't think that doing med school and running would be conducive to figuring that out. Or I'll say, I would always wonder, I would always have the question in my mind, of, even if I ran really well, could it have been, could I have been even better? Right. And I guess the other thing too, is that maybe this isn't necessarily like a stop sign. It's just like a yield sign. And then you can get back on later, right? You see people like some we've had on this show, part of this series, Kira D'Amato is a wonderful example of this. Someone who out of, out of American was you know running over in Europe and then took took an extended period of time off, and now obviously she's kicking butt in a major way. Uh, someone like Sarah Vaughn, who maybe you've run against in a couple races, um, she's not doesn't align perfectly with your with some of your stuff, but you know has done the six has done the fifteen hundred and the mile. The, she's in the five k. She's gone to the steeple. Um, someone who's you know has, has a family and, and works in real estate and is in her mid thirties and still like seriously kicking butt on the American track scene. And there's other people as well. Um, so maybe it's just one of those things where we just press the pause button and then we come back later. Um, because again, you do have those those God given gifts just like a lot of your competitors do, and they don't necessarily fall off just because you spend a couple years not focusing on them. Right, and I mean that's an option too. Uh, I've talked to Howard College of Medicine about it and they're, you know, they, 
offer sabbaticals if I wanted to go to med school for a couple of years and then take a sabbatical to come back to training for 2024. That is an option that's on the table as well. Um, and who knows, right? Because if you if you go to the world, if say you go to the world championship next year and kick butt, right, this could be like a whole a whole new conversation. I can see this. It's so easy going on the rabbit hole of what ifs here. What do you try to do to limit that? You know, con- you know, continuously like thinking the what if game in the future, and what about this and this scenario and this scenario, and try to li- kind of like live and train and just be you in the moment kind of and avoid some of that that foreshadowing i (laughs) i do go down the rabbit hole actually that's that's kind of my way of determining like i look at every feasible path and i run down it or i look down it as far as i can like i schedule a ton of meetings with people at howard to set to just ask questions like that well what if i go for a year and take a sabbatical or what if i go and I'm like a volunteer assistant who's training with the track team there. I mean, I know they just hired David Oliver as their head coach, so they're getting pretty serious about being good at track there. Or what if, you know, what if I decide to defer med school? Now I'm calling, you know, I'm calling my letters of recommendation, my former professors and saying, hey, you know, what does that look like if I want to reapply three years down the line? Like, would you still recommend me based on my classes from six, seven, eight years ago, or do I like, do I need to find new letters of recommendation or, you know, what career transition programs do colleges have that would allow athletes to, or people who have been in other careers to transition back to medicine when they've been away for an extended period of time, or, you know, yeah, that's, that's the process that I'm in right now and have been in kind of over the last month outside of the track is just yeah, tons of phone calls, asking lots of questions and just trying to figure out what do each of these paths look like and which one is the best for me. And who knows, like you could be on to just some crazy adventure, right? I've had on the Rambling Runner podcast, it was two months ago, I had Cheryl Miller on and it was like this great conversation. I always have to preface this. It wasn't Cheryl Miller, the basketball player. <laughs> um, so anyone's listening to this, like you had Cheryl Miller on the podcast? Not that Cheryl Miller, but an equally <laughs> awesome Cheryl Miller. I'll say that. Um and she ran at Georgetown, you know, for a couple of years and was a New York State champion out of high school and ran at Georgetown. And then ultimately was like, you know what, this just this wasn't working. And she left and then, you know, became this like high profile attorney and was like was doing really good stuff. It was like presenting in front of the United Nations, was doing like some really interesting work and then comes back to running like, a, you know, a decade, almost two decades later and like gets into like trail running. It's like all about it now. So she's like, Hoka's like, you know, working with her a little bit. And I don't think she's like a sponsored athlete, but like kind of like aligning with that brand a little bit and doing interesting things like as a trail runner. And like, she was not like that. She was not like cross country person. She was track person in high school. And it's like, hey man, like it's so it's so exciting to see you doing like, who knows where Olivia Baker is going to be from an adventure standpoint 10 years from now. Like, I feel like instead of it being a limiting situation, it could just be like, an explosive situation. Like it could be anything and it can be so exciting. And it is, it's incredibly exciting right now. This is a a really interesting time in life and the decisions I make over the next week or so are going to, yeah, determine the trajectory of my life. Uh, Some people might call that like a quarter life crisis. I like to think of it more like you do as like an adventure about to start. 
Right, and it's not like an avalanche. It's not like one little thing all of a sudden, like, and it just goes, and then there's, there's no more control or no more choices. Like, there'll be so many choices later. That's true. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And since I've just started my off period, like, it, it kind of limits the amount of time I have to figure it out. So I'm going to run, then I need to, you know, get back to running in a couple of weeks. Or if I'm going to do something else, then I, I should probably figure that out soon, too. <laughs> so... Watch this. We'll, we'll, we'll like public. We'll pull like publish this episode in a week, and it'll be like the day later. You're like, I'm not running anymore. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> should have recorded a week later. Um, so, where are, are you leaning a certain direction at this point? Uh yes, I will say I'm definitely at this point leaning towards something that keeps me running, an option that keeps me running for more than one more year. I think. You know, as I look at the paths to getting back to medicine, I have begun to feel more and more confident that medicine will be something that I can revisit later on down the line. But I I really don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to decide. <laughs> and granted, it's so easy to be leaning that way right now. Because like, I just ran my last race three days ago. So I'm still... I know, right? If you made this decision like three weeks ago, you might have had a completely different decision. Right. Like I'm still immersed in the track world. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to do right now is sort of peel myself away from it during this off time. You know, maybe take a couple of days off from watching the Olympics and just spend some time having some meetings around medicine, talking about what that looks like, logging back into my class of 2025 Facebook page where they were all eagerly awaiting to hear about how I did at the trials and uh, things like that re-engaging more so with the medicine side of things and making sure that like, if this is something I'm going to give up in, you know, for next year that I'm fully ready to do that and can understand the repercussions, like make sure I'm not just making an emotional decision because I've been immersed in track for the last nine months or so. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, besides talking to people in the medical medical community, like you mentioned, like your references and talking to people over at Howard, um, are there people besides your coach, obviously, uh, in the track world or running world that you've also talked to about this decision or factors that maybe you should be considering? Um, outside of my coach, and I guess a few of my training partners too, not, not really. I'm I'm running a tight ship. Uh so yeah, not not so much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, this is exciting stuff. And and it's all good things. I'm so happy for you. Not only do you just you know, not just like the short term of like, hey, you had a great raid this weekend, but yes, yeah, like that's not something to be like obviously it's exciting. It's something to be happy about. But I'm my happiness is much more expansive than that. You're in a great spot. You have so many awesome choices, and it really is exciting. So finally. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of this whole journey for the last four or five months. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, to have a chance to see you run in person, and just to follow along the way. Thank you so much, Olivia. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be on this podcast and uh, to kind of have my journey covered in this way. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed chatting with you and getting to know you through it. And yeah, thank you to everyone out there who's been listening and who like requested this <laughs> recap. I'm uh, I'm really happy to have been able to do it. And yeah, I'll let you guys know when I 
decide, like I said, a decision should be coming pretty soon. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, shameless plug here at obaker64, uh, I'll let you know. That's it. That's right. Absolutely. Well, a lot of Olivia Baker fans out there, a lot of people wanted me to do this interview. And among them is me. I'm a huge Olivia Baker fan. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Matt. Olivia, thank you so much for giving us this entry into your life over the last four to five months. This has been absolutely fantastic. Good luck to you with all the decisions that are coming up. Wonderful, amazing decisions. Um, All good stuff. That is for sure, no matter what you choose. Also, big shout out again to Four Sigmatic for sponsoring this episode. I love that company. I love their coffee. You should give it a try. Go to foursigmatic.com and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 10%. Also, one thing I didn't mention in the intro ad read, they have a subscription model as well, which also saves you a little bit of dough. So if you know that you like Four Sigmatic, you can just have it sent to you every month. You might be on some of these uh, already in your life. Like I love for Sigmatic for this reason. They have it out there, which is really cool. Uh, Picky Bars is another company that a lot of runners love. They have that that subscription model as well. It's just a really cool thing. And uh, hey, anyway, give it a shot. Forsigmatic.com. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.